we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Happy Labor Day. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here this morning. It's great to have you. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Outward Church. Um, we have two locations, Salem and Silverton. And as was announced earlier uh, in the, yeah, I think in the pre-service, we talked about how we're having one service and it's going to be out at our Silverton location, which is at Gallon House Farms. It is a very cool spot. So some of you are like, I don't really go here that much. And so I'm just not going to go. And I, and I think that's lame. You're, I don't know if you've ever had a pastor call you lame within the first uh, one minute of his sermon, but he, he just did. And so you should, uh, you should come out to Gallon House Farms. Now, don't confuse that with the Gallon House that is in downtown Silverton. Go to Gallon House Farms. You can look that up. You can go to our website. There's probably directions there or there should be or someone's fired. So uh, in any case, uh, we're going to be out there. It's going to be awesome. It's this giant barn. It's going to rattle. There's going to the subwoofers rattle the metal. It'll be amazing. We'll worship. It's going to be awesome. Some of you have, have known that we planted this church out there, this location of Outward Church, and, uh, and you've never seen it. And so this is your, your great opportunity. I think we've got a barbecue planned for afterwards. And so it's a super cool spot. So you should... You should come be a part of that. So uh, we're here. We're talking through uh, the book of Ephesians. As I said this last week, we take books of the Bible and we break them down and we just walk through them extremely, painstakingly, slowly. And the reason is, in part, because you don't come every week. You do, do you? All right. Uh, you don't come every week. Uh, you're, this, you're not necessarily a regular. But more importantly is, is the fact that, you know, the, the scriptures... When, when you kind of know them a little bit and you just kind of read through them quickly, like that's one way of knowing it and that's a, a, you know, a good way to read the Bible. But there's also something about like digging in and like seeing what is actually being said here, what's actually being communicated to us. And so that's what we want to do here at Outward Church is to walk through the scriptures in this way. And so uh, that's, that's where we're at today. We're on uh, verse eight, verses 8 through 10. Uh, we're at 30 plus sermons now. Uh, within that amount of time. So I, I, I wasn't lying. We do this slowly. Uh, this, this passage is a very well-known passage. It's talking about um, grace, that you can't, you can't get saved through your works. And, and honestly, there's some very obvious applications from this. This verse is used ubiquitously. I'm glad I got that out. Um, but uh, this verse is, is used quite often uh, throughout evangelicalism uh, as in opposition to uh, many other religions or, or even sects of uh, Christianity that have promoted works and have said that you've got to work in order to earn your salvation. But as I was <clears throat> studying for this passage, one of the things that really stuck out to me is, is there really a great understanding of what salvation is? Or is this sacred, is there a sacred secular split? Like there's this understanding of, yeah, I know that I'm not saved by works, but I'm saved by grace. And so, yes, I'm, I'm thankful for that. That's fantastic. But I wonder if we even know what it means to be saved. Like, does, is there a real understanding of that or have we co-opted that with other things? In our nation today, 
uh, we, we, this is Labor Day, obviously, and uh, Labor Day is celebrating the workers. In fact, the guy who, who they think, one of the guys who they think initiated Labor Day, uh, this is from the Department of Labor, so this is, should be riveting uh, commentary here, uh, says some records show that in 1882, Peter J. McGuire, one of the guys, uh, General Secretary of the Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners, and a co-founder of the American Federation of Labor suggested setting aside a day for a general holiday for the laboring classes to honor those who from rude nature have delved and carved all the grandeur we behold. And there's this idea of, of labor and the workers and, uh, and, and those of us who are, who are actually working, like to, to be able to sit back on Labor Day and just go, look at everything that I have done. Look at all of the things that I have created here and the, the grandeur and the, what does it say? They've delved and carved all the grandeur we behold. They used to talk very uh, smartly back then. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you guys are dead. What's wrong with you? Holy cow, wake up. Nothing I say. Maybe I'm just not funny. Okay. All right. I don't care. All right. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, no, there's this idea that like labor and work is such a huge part of our lives. It is, it's like everything to us in so many ways. And so let me read this passage to you again uh, out of Mephesians chapter 2 verse 8 through 10, which says, for by my work have I been saved through faith in myself. And this is my own doing. It is my gift to God and the world, a result of my work so that I may boast. For I am a self-made man or woman created by my own good works. Mm -mm. Amen. Amen. That's total blasphemy, right? Total blasphemy. But what, 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 what I'm writing there is the opposite of this passage. Like, why did the Apostle Paul and, and God, uh, the Holy Spirit, believe that, like, we would need to know this, these phrases today, and it really comes down to this, that we are people who are deeply invested in the idea that I must work in order to gain any type of value. Now, we're talking about spiritual works uh, in, in some sense, but we're also talking about physical work. See, we have this sacred-secular split where we say, this is sacred, here's my salvation right here, but then I go on in my life and I work really hard, and ultimately what ends up happening is I end up in this place where I have transposed, I have co-opted the idea of salvation, and I've made it something other than it actually should be. It's another kind of salvation altogether. He begins the passage with the word for. And the word for tells us there's a thought that's before this that we should know, that we should understand. He started off in chapter two, verse one, he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He's saying like, this is who you were. You were, you were dead, you were unable to respond to God. You were unable to do anything of value that would allow you to be able to respond to the grace of God. You were completely dead, unable to understand, unable uh, to go after him, unable to do anything to make you valuable to him. Like that's, that's, that's the problem. You can't do anything to do that. 
God, just in his great mercy, which then it picks up in verse 5, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. There is this whole section here that's basically saying that, like, here's the deal. Here's our position, verses 1 through 4. We're dead in our transgressions. We are just like everybody else. We're, we're, we're in this place where we cannot do anything to earn God's salvation. It is a done deal. That is where we are at. And then he goes on to what he has done, verses 5 through 7. And then now we're into the response. And the response is essentially the result. It's the result of, I'm dead. He has incredible mercy and as we talked about, uh, I believe it was last, I'm getting my weeks mixed up, I believe it was last week, like God's goal was this. I just want to go on and show you kindness and show you more kindness and show you more kindness and just pour out more kindness and more kindness and more kindness, which is his grace, unmerited favor towards us. That's just what God wants to do. That's who he is. He wants to be known as somebody who shows undeserving people Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. That's what God is doing. And this grace is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So why, why do we miss it? Why do we miss it? We miss it primarily because then it says, for by grace you have been saved. What's our concept of having been saved and do we really understand what that is do we really understand what that is when I was 14 years old I worked all summer my dad was a pastor and I worked at his his church you know in my spare time and uh, I made 300 bucks that summer which sounds like child labor which it was but I uh, I, uh, I worked all summer I was painting stuff and uh, what not, it looks terrible. But uh, in any case, I, I worked, you know, all summer, made 300 bucks, and then my friend, um, I found out, had this really cool 1972 Ford pickup that had a 400 in it. A 400 is a big motor, right? Big V8 motor. And I was like, man, that is, that is the coolest truck. I love that truck. It was awesome. Him, uh, my brother's friend, and my brother and other guys would, you know, go power around on this truck. Anyway, long story short, his, his dad got in an accident, got, got T-boned, and the right side door was just hammered, just got totally hammered. And uh, it was totaled, but as you know, it's a 1972, so it's just basically a giant piece of steel. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to break up. And so uh, it was just a little bit damaged. And so I found out that he was selling that truck for $300. And I said, wait a minute, I have $300. I'm 14 and I would like a truck, right? So I was like, I was like hey, I'll, I'll do it. And then, uh, you know, this guy's dad, he came over and showed me how to do a tune-up on this truck. And I really got into working on trucks. And I mean, it was my life. I loved working on trucks. And then uh, a little while later, I, uh, I, a buddy of mine had this 1970 Ford and had a terrible motor and it was leaking all over the place, which is pretty typical for Fords. But uh, in any case, I, uh, so he had this 1970 Ford and I was like, you know what? I'd like to take the motor out of my yellow Ford and put it in this green Ford. And so I bought that Ford. And so that now I have this, uh, this better looking 1970 Ford that's got a 400 in it and just kills. It was so fast. It was awesome. And so I had that Ford. And then I got another truck uh, after that, 
which was, uh, it was, I think it was a 19, I think, I can't remember what order the trucks came in, but that, then I got a 1984 four-wheel drive Ford, and then I got T-boned in that, and then I got a, like another 1972 Chevy, which was amazing, that, that thing was super cool, but then I hit a deer with that. There's, these all have a similar ending to them, but in any case, uh, and then, uh, you know, on and on and on, I, I finally got into Chevys and got saved, and, uh, and then, uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, now we're awake, all right. Just this hatred of, of Ford in here. Okay, good, that's, that's what I was missing, trying to find the key to this audience. Um, so, then I, I, uh, so then I bought that, that truck and then I, you know, it just went on and on and on like that and no one bought me a truck. I bought me a truck. Yeah, good for, you. Good for me, yeah. No one's, no one's bought me a car. I got my cars. I got, I got my job. I, I know how to fix these things. I, I know how to, I'm, I'm a self-made man. Do you, do you know what, how long that has gone on? I still have my truck that I bought when I was 21. It's sitting in my yard. It still runs. There are no weeds growing up underneath it. Don't get me wrong. I, like it's, I still have this truck. And it's because there's this sentiment of, I worked hard for that. I worked hard for that. Our nation, and, and, I, and I, I think it's more than our nation, but especially our nation, the world, is built on the idea of being self-made. It is built on the idea of progress and success as being the highest goal. And that that progress and that success comes at the hands of the laborers, which is why we celebrate Labor Day. And so we have made something of ourselves because I have bought multiple vehicles through my life. What a weird thing to be proud of yourself over. But that's, that's, that's who we are. That's, that's what we do. And, and so when I, when I read this verse, there's, there's a sense in which I would say, like, it's not by grace, but it's been by my work that I've been saved through faith in myself. It's like my, my sense of salvation comes from this idea that I have made something of myself. I have caused myself to be. I have, I have raised a family. I remodeled my house with my own hands. I did all of these things. And there is this sense in which I am, I am powerful. I drive a Dodge Stratus. I, uh, you know, I'm very important. I'm glad you know that skit, or some of you do anyway. Uh, don't worry about it if you don't. You're too young or old for that matter. But um, I'm not old on the other hand. But like, I, there's this sense in which I have made something of myself. And when something hits at that, that's when I know that like my whole, my, my sense of salvation, what's actually saving me in life is this thing that I'm doing. When something falls apart, when life doesn't go well in the context of the church, when things aren't growing or whatever, like for me, it's just like, man, what did I do wrong? Like, and like there can be this sense of, of just kind of uh, maybe, I, I dare say depression, it's, it's, it's at least... Uh, being down or something because there's this sense in which I'm not saved by grace through faith, spiritually speaking. My salvation ha ha has, has co-opted the spiritual sense of salvation. It is a secular sense of salvation, but it has become my spiritual meaning. My work has become 
my sense of salvation. I think there's a lot of guys that probably resonate with that, but there's also a thing called mom guilt, which is the work of many of our, our women here. The mom guilt that comes because, am I a good mom? Have I done enough? Am I enough to raise these kids? Do, do, do I have what it takes? There's what happens in parenting where when you rage at your children as a husband or a wife. And the rage comes from this idea of like, they represent me. They just did something that I didn't want them to do. That looks bad on me. And so therefore, now I'm raging. What's that point to? My salvation is not found in Christ. My salvation is not spiritual in any sense. My salvation is here and right now. It is tactile. It is physical. It is right here. It is right now. My sense of salvation is found in this world alone. And it will be found in my work. It will be found in my parenting. It will be found in, uh, in my kids. It will be found in my job. And it's not just, you know, uh, run-of-the-mill people. It's, it's also even pastors who come to the point where it's, it's like my church isn't growing. It, it's, it's falling apart or whatever. And, and so, therefore, now I'm, uh, now I'm very depressed or angry or have deep anxiety. I see that all the time in, in the network of churches that I'm a part of. Where, and we have to ask the question like, man, it, 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 does my salvation come from a perceived success, a perceived sense of progress in this world? And I, I, I just got stuck on that this week and just like, do we even know what it means to be saved? Because otherwise that verse just goes like that. It just, it just goes right over our head and just say, yeah, I know, it's by works. But the truth is, I'm very much into whether my kids obey me. The truth is, I'm very much into the idea of my career accelerating. The truth is, I'm very much into whether I'm perceived as a successful future wife or future husband. I'm very much into the idea of my grades in college, my grades in school as being like the definition of if I lose, if I don't get the grade that I want, if I don't get the husband I want, if I don't get the things, then everything is lost. All is lost. Where's all the depression and anxiety coming from in our world, which are at a very high rate? It's because we have become conformed to the pattern of this world, and our minds have not been renewed in Christ. Our minds have been renewed in a world that says, hold these things as ultimate in you and you go after that with all of your might you go after that with everything that's in you you make that your number one goal but no one answers the question what happens when it falls apart no one answers the question what what do you do when you've tried everything and you're still not successful or what do you do when you do get everything and you get to the top and you realize this isn't really that great i've told that story before or it's like, I thought forever, like I, it would be so great to be in charge of a ministry and be, be building something. And I woke up one day and I was like, I'm doing the thing that I wanted to do. Like the movement that I wanted to see happen is happening. And then one day it's just like, but it's not really that great. 
It's not, it's not fulfilling me the way that, that I really wanted it to, and it's because I'm always having to correct. Like, my salvation is not found in my work. My salvation is not found in the ministry that I'm a part of. My salvation is not found in my marriage. My salvation is not found in my kids. My salvation is not found in any of those things. My salvation is found in Christ alone. And when I get that right, when I finally understand that like, God, my work cannot be the thing that my work cannot be the thing that drives me. It can't be the thing that I get up out of bed in the morning for. It can't be any of those things because I'll latch onto it and I'll say, this is everything. It will control me. It will cause me to be somebody that I don't want to be. There's a great New York Times article just recently. Um, actually, I don't know the date. I meant to look that up. It, it, could have been before the pandemic, but it was, it was called, When Your Job Fills In For Your Faith, That's a Problem. And he talks about a, a young entrepreneur named uh, Taylor. And it says, Taylor an entrepreneur, in, was an entrepreneur in Silicon Valley. Taylor had faith that her devotion would be rewarded by a highly anticipated corporate acquisition when the company's value would be precisely realized. But when the acquisition fell through, it broke my heart, she said. I couldn't do it anymore, so I left. She spiraled into a year-long existential crisis that, described, that she described as a death of self. Taylor depended on work so fully for her identity and meaning that after she left her job, she didn't know who she was anymore. See, the whole idea of salvation is how can I create an identity how can I find an identity that describes who I am and how do I put faith in becoming that person? How do I put faith in that? The Christian message is this. Men and women, you gotta hear me. The Christian message is this. You cannot put faith in anything else. Your work, your parenting, your marriage, your future, your, your grades, your career, your whatever it is, are poor substitutes from the salvation that comes from God through Christ Jesus. So if you don't get that word saved, if you don't get that, then you don't get anything out of this. You don't get anything out of it. And so I wanna give you that context. So I just, I just want you to sit and think for a second. Like what is ultimate for you? Where is your salvation coming from? Where does it take place? What, what, is, what is actually saving you today or tomorrow? Man, I can think of some scary things in my life. I've made some financial investments over the years. I've been smart with, with my money. God has been, and, and I don't even want to say that. God has been incredibly gracious to me. We'll say it like that. God has been incredibly gracious to me. Do you know what's scary to me? Losing that. You know why? Because part of my identity is rooted in the fact I worked hard, I bought trucks, I learned how to fix them so I didn't have to pay somebody to fix them, I built things with my bare hands, I, I, I did that. And if I lose those investments, that's my identity.
Guess where my salvation is found? And guess what? Tomorrow morning, there will be another one. There's going to be another kind of salvation that comes up, comes up in my life. What is this salvation that, I'm, that I'll be looking for? Who, who knows what it'll be, it'll be? I mean, there's a litany of things that we can say, I want to be good at this. I want to be more fit. I want to be whatever it is that, that, that is going to bring value and identity to me. That's, that's my salvation. What I want you to do is I want you to think through, like, what is the thing that if you lost it, would feel like you lost your identity? What is the thing that you already lost or don't have that has taken away your identity, your sense of salvation? I don't know if you remember from the Old Testament. Maybe you don't. Maybe you've never read it. That's okay. There's a story in the Old Testament. The Tower of Babel. Let's build this thing, this giant tower that reaches to heaven. Let's make a name for ourselves. It's building a life without God. That's what it is. That is what the American way is. That's what the Enlightenment led us to. That's where, that's where our world is going today. And if we are not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. I realize I've read a scripture, quoted a scripture now twice that we're not even preaching on. But if that's where we want to be, if we want to be renewed, if we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, then there has to be something else that reminds us of this. There has to be something else that says, okay, in the grand scheme of things, if if ultimately what I am is not just a physical being, I'm not just a sexual being, I'm not just a relational being, but if ultimately I am spiritual, I have a soul, and that that soul uh, derives its meaning and its, and its feeling and its intentionality out of the things that I place as ultimate in my life, then what this means is that that word saved has got to make it into my mind and in my heart and in my life and just say, no, my real salvation is not in getting my way in my marriage. My real salvation is not in getting a promotion or a sense of growth in my career. My real sense has to come through the reality that God saved me though I did not deserve it. And Paul goes through great pains to tell us over and over again. So I think there's an evangelical crowd that has gotten really comfortable. I think I'm one of them. Where we have co-opted the idea of salvation as being success. I come to church, I give a little to God, he gives a little to me. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a works-based relationship with God. But then there's also a works-based relationship with people that have, that have been in other religions. We've had people here before that have been in uh, Jehovah's Witness and things like that where every day is filled with a sense of, of, of fear. If I do not do these things, then I will be cast out and I will not be one of the 144,000, which is, which is scary. There are other, uh, you know, even, you know, uh, Catholicism on some, some level is... is uh, maligns the scriptures by saying you must go and do these things in order to be forgiven. No, Paul is saying 
It's not that you went to the temple. It's not that you went to mass. It's not that you went there and you asked for forgiveness and you did this. You did not affect your faith. You did not make it happen. You, you, you can't affect it that way. It is by grace. It is by the kindness of God that you have been saved through faith. And, and this is not your own doing. Now, you can sit there and you look at that passage and you can say, which is not your own doing? Is it the grace or the faith? Yes. It's neither. It's like, yes, we have to exercise faith, but that faith comes from somewhere and that faith does not come from ourselves. So there's no way that you can walk out of this passage and think, yeah, see, I had a part in my salvation. I'm just that good. I'm just that good. And this is not your own doing. You had no piece of it. It is the gift of God. It is something that God handed you. He said, this is yours. And the, the, the action of, is mine, is faith. Really? Yes, it's yours. It is a gift from God. And then Paul goes back again and he says it negatively again. It is not a result of works. You, it is not by what you have done. Why? So that nobody, so that no one can boast so that no one can boast which is my goal all the time see all the trucks I bought it's a weird thing to be proud of see it, my investments see the way I'm leading my church see the way I honor God with my life Some, somehow this is a thing it's a thing that we continually try to find ways to boast so that no one may boast. And then he goes into this thing, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We do not get God's grace because of our works. We get works because of God's grace. And let me help explain that for just a second. The intention of God's grace was to transform how you do life. It was to transform this. It, we we have, have been really good at emphasizing, it's by grace, it's not by works. And then have no works to show for it. Have no works to show for it. In fact, the Christian community is known for some things. Politically, relationally. So not, on, not only are we not doing good works, but in many cases, we come at our world hatefully towards people that have had abortions, towards people that live a different sexual life than we, than we see as as being biblical towards someone of a different political persuasion. Not only do we not have good works, we have bad works of hateful speech. We have bad works of, of putting people down. We have bad works of not showing grace under pressure. I'm guilty of it too. We have, we have, we, not only do we not have good works, but we have bad works. 
But it's, it's supposed, this grace, if you have it, if you have the proper salvation in there, should leak out into every part of your life, should leak out into every section of your world. It should leak out into every aspect of who you are and what you do. It should, it should be a way of honoring those who totally disagree with you. It should be a way of giving grace. You should be a dispensary of grace for those who own marijuana dispensaries, right? That you should be somebody who's dispensing grace. You're giving it away because God just is like, here's some kindness. Here's some kindness. It is by grace that you've been saved, Matt. Yes, okay, now I can live and breathe grace in my world and go and give grace to others. We are his workmanship and we have been created and he has determined beforehand that we would have good works to do as a result. The expectation is this, is that when you understand how you were saved and it was by grace through faith and that this was not of yourselves, that it would transform who you are and how you act. Your salvation is not contingent on that. Your works are proof of your salvation, not the other way around. And so men and women, how are we at doing the good works that come from the grace of God? Because we have salvation properly ordered. I would say many of us have become pretty disillusioned uh, with the church. Uh, maybe you're not because you're sitting here, but I think there's a lot of people that haven't been. There's people that belong here. Do you know why you need to be at church? You need to be at church so that you and I can be reminded together in community that what we need is a reminder of my salvation is not found in anything, in any other name other than Jesus Christ. That is it. So the word this morning, the application is not necessarily go to church. But it's an indicator of are you really understanding what this is for? It is to redirect our minds towards the true salvation that is found only in Christ. It is to redirect our hearts and just say, yes, Lord, I need this. And when I get out of that rhythm, when I get out of that pattern, when I get out of that, what happens is I, I end up coming to a place where I begin to believe, hey, it is about me. It is about what I do. It is about my abilities. I'll leave it at that for right now. Let me pray.